1: I thought the fourth estate was time.
0: That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state. A state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia?
1: The Ravens came back to beat the Colts last night, 31-25 in overtime. The Ravens trailed 22-3 in the third quarter Rodrigo Blankenship the kicker for the Colts uh, was two for four on field goals last night plus missed an extra point he was apparently dealing with an injury uh, but they still were having him kick at one point they had their punter lineup to take a field goal it's so funny Uh, but then there was a penalty so then they sent the kicker back out there to take it Uh, but Lamar Jackson threw for 400 and 42 yards while completing 86% of his passes. He threw it 43 times and completed 86% of his passes. Not bad for a wide receiver. No, you're
2: darn right. Uh was it Jared, was it Jerry Glanville? NFL not for long. That's that that's that kicker this morning. Although he's hurt. So. Yeah, I
1: mean they were they they kept showing him on the sideline, like sitting down. There was a sideline report where they were like they went to the sideline reporter and she was like, uh yeah, they said he's dealing with something, but wouldn't tell me what it is. As like why why is he on the roster? Why is he why like, is he kicking? Yeah. What is he? Hey, he's the only kicker that Tyler could dress
3: up as and could for Halloween
1: and not really change his look. Yeah, he's got the goggles. I loved. It. I used to wear those playing high school basketball. They're great. So you yeah. had the goggles. Yeah. Prescription. Yeah, of course. They were great. So Ravens come back to win in overtime thanks to some missed field goals. Um, uh, let me ask you: Are the Ravens good? Are they good at this oh, sport? God it's week to week with them right you just
2: don't know each I mean they're good last night in the second in the third quarter in the fourth quarter yeah and like, in overtime
1: they need overtime to beat the Colts they needed Justin Tucker to break an NFL record to beat the Lions right they came in here and yeah. blew so that game away there. like but they also beat the Chiefs like are they good they, I think so but I'm not they kind of try to convince me every week they're not good 442 for
2: him that's incredible. I mean that's incredible that
1: he went for 442. The 442 yards, but on top of it, completing 86% yeah. of 43 passes, like yeah. that volume to hit. That's, that's an unbelievable number. Next question. Ben Simmons has returned to the 76ers. Um Adrian Wosnarowski reported this on SportsCenter. Elton Brand got a text saying, hey. Ben's outside the building. No, no. And that's how they found out Ben Simmons was coming back. They did not know he was flying back to Philadelphia. They found out when hey, Ben's outside. Like they got their ring door cam set up to like look out, "Oh, I know that guy." Well, that's not my Amazon package. If any if it's anything like
2: the Raiders facility, you have to stop outside, give your name, and your birthday and your social security number and promise that you're this person before you can go in. So I wonder if the Uber driver had to stop and, and, and the, the voice came out, yes, what do you want? It's like, I've got Ben here and they didn't believe him. They had to like come out and check it's like Ben's not coming back.
1: <laughs> so Ben Simmons is back with the Sixers. He's going to play with the Sixers. How is that working out? I don't know. Ben just Ben's kind of a funny guy. I
2: actually like Ben more and more. Don't come visit me. <laughs> well, yeah, I just... don't want anything to do with you. And it's like, wait, yeah, you, why didn't you guys call? Yeah. Well, <laughs> are, are we opening camp? I got to get back there. Just showing up. Just showing up outside.
1: It's great. Did Elton
2: Brand say yes or no? <laughs> I guess
1: he's in. What it's if Elton Brand
3: said, don't let him in? Yeah. yeah. Think I <laughs> get that guy out of here. Get Uber back. Is it the Costanza where you, you quit your job and then just show up on <laughs> Monday? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: So Ben Simmons might play for the Sixers again this year.
0: Oh, uh, you
2: know, I can't tell you that
1: marcus mariota could return this week uh he is on ir ken is eligible to come back uh he could start practicing and playing this week uh something we did not talk about yesterday in regards to the game derek Carr left that game for three plays after four plays after a quarterback sneak in which he took a pretty serious looking shot to the head from roquan smith and went in the blue tent Came right back out, had his helmet on and went in four plays later after oh, and Nathan Peterman, by the way, converted a f- fourth down quarterback sneak as well. But that could have been really serious for Derek Carr because that did not look good at all.
3: I have an actual question about this because uh, and I was trying to think back because I haven't rewatched the game yet. He like Derek Carr was weirdly inaccurate. Was he weirdly inaccurate before the headshot or after? Oh yeah, no, he was. Okay, because I was like, kind of like, huh? He took a bad shot to the head, and suddenly he was like, "Yeah, I don't want the ball."
2: I thought, so we thought it was concussion being there right away. We're like, "Oh, he's got a concussion." I mean, he just went down. Then he jogged off, went in the tent, and afterwards he said it was his neck. Like he said, no. I got hit in the neck, and my neck's fine. But still, that can get kind of serious as well. Yeah, so I was little. shocked that he he was down for a long time. Absolutely, because he went into the line on the second. You see his head snap back, and like, all right, he's out. I mean, yeah. there's just no way.
1: I, when he was lying on the ground, I don't know if he was. I, mean,
2: I thought he might have been out. Period. Then like, give him bears assault. players immediately no, bears started immediately waving. Said, come like, come yeah,
1: come get, come get Derek Carr. And then we saw Peterman for four plays. I did. Okay. I did enjoy that with Derek Carr having just exited the game after getting hurt on a quarterback sneak. That they told Nate. On, on fourth and yeah. short. Hey, Nate, uh, yeah. run that same yeah. play. Just watch your head. Watch your head and <laughs> neck area.
3: This is probably too soon, but does with uh, John Gruden resigning, does that mean the end of Nathan Peterman getting paid a million dollars to stand around?
1: Maybe Rich Bisaccia likes him a lot. Yeah. Man, you know, that's a great question. Nick Suzuki has signed an extension with the Montreal Canadiens. Eight-year deal. He will get paid $7.875 million a year. Good for Nick Suzuki. If you're trying to uh, get some contacts, get some comparisons there, he would be the third highest-paid player on the Golden Knights behind Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo. So, yes, he will make more money than... That's Pat
2: who he was traded for. Great job by Nick Suzuki. Worked out for him. Uh, no problem with guys getting paid. I, I've got to be honest. I mean, he was, you know, a lot was made of him in the playoffs here and how last year and how good they thought he'd be down the road. But this this average annual uh, annual average kind of surprises me. It is. I mean, I thought it was. Now, if you told me it was five, they think he's going to be really good. He's continuing to prove, and you want to give him five. Okay. Like, you know, I I can see I'm not going to say I know exactly what the range of salary is for someone like him, but that just seems like you said that seems like a massive annual average for Nick Suzuki at this
1: point in his career. Hold on. Looking through Montreal. Obviously, they've got Carey Price on the biggest deal for a goalie, $10.5 million. Uh, Shea Weber's the only other Canadian that gets paid more than that. So he is, and Shea Weber gets, it's the same, it's 7.8. So it's basically the same contract. So he is now essentially the second highest paid player on that team, which is, again, good for him. So here's the thing Nick Suzuki is 22, he looked very good last year. There is a chance Nick Suzuki is like an awesome, like top yes. five center in the league. There's a chance that happens, but it's probably more likely that Nick Suzuki ends up as like the 20th best center in the NHL. They probably overpaid for. It. Oh yeah, I
2: the first time the first thing you said when you said it this morning on the tw- on the Twitter we both said that's yeah. too much at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fault him for it. I mean, hey, I I don't know this, but I'm guessing Walsh isn't the agent. <laughs> And I think he's got a better agent than The Clown Show. Now, I say that, and you'll probably tell me that Alan Walsh is his agent. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't uh, begrudge guys getting as much as they can. I just thought it was a lot of money for a guy who, like you said, is good. But, you know,
1: I don't know how great he is yet. Because when the Golden, the, the Golden Knights have done this a couple of times, where they have locked up one of their younger players to a longer-term deal. William Carlson. And when they've done that, like take the, uh, the Shea Theodore contract, for example. He's getting paid five point two million dollars. The Alex Tuck contract as well. He's getting paid four point seven yeah. five million dollars. Like normally, when you give when a guy's twenty two or something, and you say, okay, we're gonna give you the long term extension as a team, you're sort of saying, well, we're gonna give you a lower dollar amount because we're gonna go ahead and do this earlier than we need to. Not the Canadians. No. the Canadians are like, yeah, here's the whole thing. I remember talking to Tuck and Theodore
2: when they signed their deals, and they both said the exact same thing. Well, we hope at the end we've outplayed it. You know, like, and that's, and as a team, that's what you want. You want to give them the lower average and say, hey, we hope our next, we hope your next contract, we are giving you eight or nine, but that means you'll have outplayed the four or five. Where Nick Suzuki
1: didn't seem to have to outplay the four or five. He just got the eight. (laughs) So the good news on the Montreal side is that it's a, it's a seven year deal here. He will still be like 29 when this ends. He's going to be young. So, yeah. So, the canadians are not overpaying like for example the alex petrangelo contract there's a good chance the last three years of that are going to look really bad for the golden knight he's going to because right, of his age he's going to be in his mid-30s yeah. and there's a good chance petrangelo's not as good as he is now in his mid-30s this one highly unlikely that nick suzuki's suddenly just bad right in his when he's 27 and 28 right he's He's gonna be if he if he works out this contract's he's gonna be good the length mm-hmm. of the contract.
3: Now is this in U.S. dollars or Canadian dollars? Because if it was in Canadian dollars, a good
1: question. I believe everything is reported in U.S.
3: dollars. So. Okay, because uh, it's like Canadian dollars worth like dollar twenty-five. So or no, I think I have that in reverse. You have backwards. Yeah, 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 I have yeah, that backwards. backwards. Yeah, yeah. So you know, maybe it's more like six point two four.
1: I'm out. A- The Philadelphia Flyers claimed Nolan Patrick off of... Not Nolan Patrick. Patrick Brown off of waivers. Um, So this is the first time the Golden Knights have ever lost a player off of waivers. Patrick Brown had been the captain of the Henderson Silver Knights. He only played four games for the Golden Knights last year, but... When we look at what the potential fourth line is tonight for the Golden Knights with Brett Howden out with Nick Waugh out with William Carrier, probably out with concussion protocol and with Matthias Janmark, possibly out in COVID protocol. If Patrick Brown hadn't gotten claimed, Patrick Brown would be playing tonight for the Golden Knights. He would be in the lineup on the fourth line, but he got claimed by the Flyers. So he'll be on the Philadelphia Flyers roster. He has to be on the roster, right? You can't claim him, not put him on the roster.
2: Yeah. are you surprised, given how good they've been? This is the first player ever claimed off waivers. Well, they've done a good job. As many job. times they've sent guys yeah. back.
1: Well, so the the key there is the Golden Knights have done a good job of sending down the guys that are waiver exempt, right? Like, and that's what's probably going to happen to Peyton Krebs this year. Like, Peyton Krebs does not have to clear through waivers because you've got to hit a certain threshold of age or games played to where you can be claimed off waivers. So, what the Golden Knights have done a good job of is, hey, this guy's waiver exempt, so we're going to send so him up and lose down. Him. And the guys that are not waiver exempt, we're just going to keep around until, you know, we're, our hand yeah, to is full or it. whatever. So they've done a good job of avoiding that. And There's been some off season times where everybody had to send guys down earlier right. this week because you have to trim your roster, you have to hit your roster down, right? And that's how they lost uh, Patrick Brown here. So it's not going to be a big deal at the end of the day that you lost Patrick Brown, but there will be moments, and tonight is one of them where having Patrick Brown certainly would have helped. You would have. Like to have Patrick Brown as an option on the fourth line instead of what Jake Lecision, Jack Dugan, uh, whoever it ends up being for the Golden Knights. Tonight.
2: I'm surprised you haven't uh, updated uh, Jake Bishop on the injured uh, non. Uh,
1: he's hurt. He's I, know. he's I know he's hurt and he's part of this organization. I know. Well, yeah. I'm
2: surprised. You know, I wanted an update. What's his What's his injury? I nobody Lower or upper?
1: They haven't said. Okay.
2: Well, that what a silly question. Nobody said. Yeah, anything. like I'm like i like looking at you and yeah. like what What uh, do what, you think?
1: What a silly question that <laughs> I would ask. What his injury was. Did we? I don't even know if we got upper and lower. No, we never did. Wow. He just again, there was no. He just missed started. He played, I think, seven games last year, and then he got hurt in one of them. And I remember somebody telling me, "Oh, Jake Bischoff left the ice." I was like, "Oh, that's not good." And then that was it. There was never like, ah. "Oh, he's done this or whatever." So yeah, but yeah, he's he's helping the team because he's on long term IR, which helps them generate add some more cap. One space thing we've eventually. always said
2: about him, yeah, <laughs> he's a team player. That's right.
1: He'll help him out. All right, coming up next. Yeah, we'll stick with the Golden Knights here because you got a season opener tonight for a team that should win the Stanley Cup. Dusty, postgame last night, uh, Chicago reliever Ryan Tapera hinted or teased that the Astros are, are cheating again, specifically at Minute Maid Park. How do, you, how do you respond to that?
4: Well, some heavy accusations.
1: I mean, we're about the same runs, OPS, and everything as we are. Well, actually better on the road than we are at home. I think they're actually better at home than they are you know, on the road so I don't have much, you know, response to that other than I was listening to Eric Clapton this morning and, uh, and he had a song, uh, you know, Before You accuse Me, You Need to Take a Look at Yourself.
0: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at
1: EdGraney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. By the way, I love Dusty Baker. Um Fitz win! When Gina. he's not, not during the games. All, all of the moments. Do you know who Eric Clapton is? Of course not.
3: <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say Big stay. anti-vaxxer.
2: I thought you were going to stop it, of course. <laughs> and then when you added the nod, I'm like, okay. I don't I
1: mean, he's a musician. I what, okay, no, all right. couldn't tell you anything about it. It's all in right. the way that you use it. Don't know what that means. Uh, some breaking <laughs> news from the NBA. Uh, the Nets general manager, Sean Marks, has announced that Kyrie Irving will not play or practice with the team until he is eligible to be a full participant. So right now, another way of saying (laughs) get vaccinated Uh, right now uh, in New York, Kyrie Irving cannot play or practice with the nets because there is a mandate that you have to be vaccinated to enter, enter certain uh, indoor buildings. And that includes basketball arenas and practice facilities. So Kyrie Irving, basically the situation would have been Kyrie Irving uh, could play in some road games, but couldn't practice with the team. Couldn't play in home games. Uh, the Nets had not made any actual decision, apparently, until now. They've come out and said Kyrie's just... He's not a part of this team. Basically, until he gets fully vaccinated is the situation here for Kyrie and the Nets. I think it is 100% the right decision. I think that is the easiest call you could make if you're the Nets. Well, it's that, definitely the easiest call you yeah, can make. That, just say, stay away until it happens. Yeah, we're not not—we're not sitting here dealing with, hey, uh, you're showing up in Detroit. Cool. We're going to San Antonio. Awesome. Oh, we're back in Brooklyn. All right, no Kyrie tonight. I just... You're not dealing with that. Just go forward with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and the rest of that roster. And if Kyrie Irving gets vaccinated, great. Welcome back to the team. If Kyrie Irving doesn't, tough.
2: I mean, you said yesterday that you didn't think he should play. So this is is the easy decision um, to let him go. Uh, Boy, now he will miss every paycheck. Yeah.
1: Will he, though? Will he officially miss him if the team is the one holding him out for, like, the games? So they're going to pay him? I don't know. Like he was. So the the NBA has said that they're not going to pay players who this game because because they're not vaccinated in New York, LA, and San Francisco. But this, technically, what's happening here is the team is deciding that he can't play in the other cities, right? right. right. Anywhere. So that's, I I don't know. I'd have to see if anybody's reported on that, if he would miss all of his games, if the Nets are going to withhold all of his money, or if they're just going to withhold, well, we're making this decision, right. so you still get paid when we play in Detroit or whatever city it is. I mean,
2: if you don't withhold his money, then how, how you know. I mean, he's still going to miss more is, than half of it. Enthused is he going to be, yeah. you know, to 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 go and get the vaccine? Yeah, that's the,
1: I mean, we, we probably shouldn't play the game of what is Kyrie Irving thinking because that's oh, a tough game to figure out it. here. But we said it yesterday. The I, Jolly
3: Green Giant is microwaving his brain.
1: Yeah. I, we, thought, we said it yesterday, though. I have a tough time believing he's changing his stance on this. And maybe he does now that he can't play at all. But I have a tough time believing it yeah. because that's Kyrie Irving. Oh my God. Right? The he worst seems... part's gonna be is him going I'm a martyr. <laughs> Turning it do. back on him. Yeah, he hasn't I mean Cole Beasley tried to do that. Yeah. That didn't work very I well. I think Cole Beasley deleted his Twitter account. Oh well. I need to go look that up. I saw a headline. I didn't actually click on the story, but he did you? You saw Cole Beasley called out Bills fans? He tweeted a couple weeks ago, like, Why am I getting yelled at and booed by my own fans? I didn't see that. Yeah, he was criticizing Bills fans for yelling at him to go get vaccinated, and he got mad. And since then, he has now uh, de- de- deactivated his Twitter account. Like, huh, Cole, I can't imagine why anybody would be yelling at you. Why would anyone be mad at you, Cole?
2: You're on that kind of team, and you're kind of holding back on the vaccine. Why would anyone be mad at you (laughs) that you can infect these people when you have a team that could win the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, fans fans aren't going to ever worry about that
3: stuff. These people who are so normal that they spray each other with ketchup and mustard, set tables on fire, and jump through them. And they're like, and you're afraid of a shot? Yes.
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Cole Beasley, he hasn't changed his mind. I don't think Kyrie Irving will be changing his mind either. Um, All right. Touch a little bit here on the Golden Knights because we never got to this quote, despite it being a great quote from Riley Smith. He said this like 10 days ago. So, yeah, we're always here up on time. Top of the morning on the press box. But Riley Smith said, I think playing in Vegas every year is a contract year with the standard so high you want to win a Stanley Cup every year. And if you don't, there are changes. Now, Riley Smith is in a real contract year. His contract is up at the end of this he's UFA one. UFA at the end of the year. But he's basically saying, yeah, if this season or every season with the Golden Knights, if we don't win and you're one of the players that plays poorly, you're gone. You're out of here. Yeah. And somebody else is in. And hell, sometimes even if you do play well, you might be gone too because uh, they got Alex Petrangelo or something like that. From like the the fan side of it. That can suck in terms of like, oh, your favorite players get moved away, right? Like Flurry or Nate Schmidt or whatever it is. But from the fan side of it, that's how I want the organization to be run. Like, that's that's one of like... It's better than the alternative we hang on to, guys. That's one of the best things I think you can hear is, yeah, we're right. The player saying... About winning. We're supposed to win the Stanley Cup. And if we don't, we're out of here. Like, that's an awesome thing that, like, that's how the organization is run. And that's how even the players understand and view it. Yeah, if we don't win, I'm gone regardless of what my contract is. And it's not even just moving guys because they didn't play
2: well. It's internally where when I talked to William Carlson a couple weeks ago about his line and the first thing he said is, well, you know, if we don't play well, they'll just mix us up. He goes, they're all about winning. He goes, you know, we've been together for, you know, it'll be fifth year. He goes, that doesn't matter to them. And and, and I think he's right. He said, if we start off slow this year, because as as DeBoer said, no one did anything in the the finals last year. And he, he specifically said, including that second line, and they're open to change. I think this is everything not ju- not just guys at the end of the you know and they become UFAs I think it's internally we're like if your line's
1: not playing well we'll mix you up yeah. it's all about winning it is it is a bit of a surprise that that line has survived as long as it has and not that I mean they've mixed it up at times during seasons right. and during playoff runs and stuff like that but every year That's Carlson, Marchessault, and Smith are together yeah. and every year we've sort of penciled them in as a top 6 or a top 2 line on this team and for the most part they play together throughout the entire course of year now They've been good. It's not like they've been bad by any means. But no, but they haven't been like like the Colorado or Boston line. Right. Where are so obvious. That
2: like, okay, these guys are so talented. They have to play together. Right. They've kind, they're have kind, they good players, but it is that makes it a little more surprising to me that they've stayed together for four years.
1: Yeah, and I, it goes back to this offseason where Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, based on their moves and based on what McCrimmon said, their main priority was improving the depth of the third oh, the and fourth top, lines. Yes. Yes. And that they were not concerned with their top two lines, the stone line and the Carlson line, that they were perfectly fine with those. That is what the, the organi- this organization, after losing to Montreal, that's what they viewed as the problem. Fix the bottom six. The top six is fine. And we'll see if that actually has we'll a, an improvement on this team and their actual ability to win the Stanley Cup this year. Because, for the most part, everybody on the outside said, well... They need somebody better than Chandler Stevenson as their first
2: line That's what I was going to ask you because that's what everyone has always said. And if there's one change, I think a change might come to Stevenson more so than breaking up the second line.
1: Well, if you're going to put together the best possible line that you can for this team, it's Patch Reddy, William Carlson, and Mark Stone. So you'd break it up. And and by default, you break up the Marshall carlson Stevenson down. Yes, but then the question becomes: Is Chandler Stevenson as effective with, with those two Smith and Marcia, Marcia so said. as he is with Stone and Pacioretty? And the answer is probably not. Probably no. be fine, but probably not. So, but that's the thing, and that's why you go back to this off season. Had they acquired a center that was better than William Carlson to play with Stone and Pacioretty, awesome, or at least a center that is better than Chandler Stevenson that you can put either with but Stone and Pacioretty, the bottom six, right, the or Pacioretty, or whatever, six. then that would make a, that could make a significant difference with this team maybe Nolan Patrick is that guy. I don't have a lot yeah. of faith that Nolan Patrick's going to be like some superstar center, but he was a top 10 pick. Right. He has produced like he's had some decent NHL seasons. There's a chance. Nolan Patrick is that guy. And he at some point just takes the over top center. Of- right. There's a chance that happens. I don't, I wouldn't count on it, but there's a chance coming up next. Charles McDonald joins the show. Jackson takes the snap, looking over the middle, pumps once, throws, and zone caught! Game over! The Hayes in the board! And the Ravens have won it in
0: overtime! It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM.
1: I don't think we're going to have Charles McDonald. Because Jared's hanging up the phone right now. So... I wanted to ask him about the Gruden situation. Uh, On the Gruden situation right now, Rich Passaccia is now going to be the Raiders uh, interim head coach. Um, Just to share with you, if you forgot, last summer, do you remember? Oh, the COVID situation. Rich Passaccia jumps on a Zoom call with the players. They're expecting to talk to Gruden, and Rich Passaccia says, no, (laughs) John's in the hospital hospital. with COVID. (laughs) just like as a test to see like hey, hey this is what
2: this is a serious thing don't remind everyone we haven't met with rich's media <laughs> so I want that guy to be as open as possible about <laughs> what he might know about John Green. there might be more emails and he says you know it's not the only thing that's out there and he just like spills the beans on everything so we don't want to give this guy any fair warning <laughs> that we might like you know want some some kind of information <laughs> is rich Masaccia an un- Weird choice for it. You've got no, because I think he's just going to be an overseer. I think he's going to tell Greg Olson. You've got the offense, Gus Bradley. You've got the defense, and all kind of like overseer stuff. And I'll call timeouts. I'll call timeouts. <laughs> I'll deal with the media. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Even on the fourth and ones, I think he defers to. I think he Olson. defers to Carr and Olson and say, you know, I mean, I would. It, you know, special teams, I'm taking care of. But they've definitely played well enough defensively to. Where I don't think he needs to tell Gus Bradley anything offensively Olsen's but that's one thing that will help Carr. Olsen's been around for a long time so now he didn't you know John called the plays but I think Olsen will be fine stepping in and he can deal with Carr in terms of what they want to do calling plays um I just think Basachi was an easy choice because you just let those other two guys handle their sides of the ball and he just kind of I'm it, look I'm not making fun but he does the press conferences he does the stuff that has to be done on a daily basis where those other two guys can just focus on offense and defense and not have to worry about yeah. any
1: of that. I do hope he kind of walks in tomorrow and he's like, all right, we need to make some changes on defense. <laughs> you know, this Bradley guy, I'm not too sure about him. <laughs> we need to, we need to finally get this side of the ball turned around. <laughs> or if he comes in and says, I don't know why the hell they moved Alex Leatherwood to right guard. Yeah, exactly. He's going back yeah. to right tackle. Let's get this figured out. Only and I are
2: having a meeting right after this, and we're going to discuss his movement of Alex Leatherwood. So,
1: What happens to this team the rest of the season? Like they can still make the playoffs. Mm. They're three and two. We talked about it yesterday. I don't think no matter who the coach
2: was, if they didn't fix the line,
1: they're not making. They're not playing well in the last couple of weeks. Uh, They've had some serious issues in terms of the offensive line, and honestly, the offense as a whole has not been able to score. Even with the offensive line problems, they haven't looked good at pretty much anything else. Drop passes, overthrown passes, but they're still three and two. Like, if they turn it around, if they can go on, you know, a four-game win streak at some point this season, they they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs, despite John Gruden resigning in the middle of the season. I am fascinated to see, I guess, how the players respond to this. Because w- will any players talk to the media tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Well, Carr will. Carr it's talks tomorrow. Okay. Carr talks tomorrow, and so, then
2: they'll bring a few others in.
1: I'm fascinated to see, like, how Derek Carr responds to this, because... Again, like it's it's not the most important part of the story, but we are in the middle of a football season, and the Raiders have a game on Sunday right. in Denver. So I'm I'm curious, sort of, how the response is from this team because it was already headed in the wrong direction.
2: I mean, I think he'll respond. I think you and I could right now sit down with our laptops and, and type out his quotes, <laughs> just like I thought last week when they said, "Hey, they told us to pay. Hey, we need reaction from players. This is the first time we're going to get players on the on the." Uh, uh, On the record about Gruden's first email um, about Smith, and they responded exactly how we thought they would. Well, he met with us, he told us what had happened. We told him, Coach, don't worry, we got you, we love you. Um, The closest anyone came to having, to me, let's say a negative reaction was when Unique Ngakwe said, I have no comment. Yeah. That was the closest. And Josh Jacobs spoke. Carr spoke. Josh Jacobs did say, well, you know, at the end of the day, he said what he said, but we're going to move forward and we'll be okay. But when when Yannick Ngakwe said no comment, I'm like, "All right, that's telling me not only did he disagree with what he said, but he might have a big issue with
1: it. Yeah. So, do you think there are going to be any players that say anything significant about it? Like, will anybody come out and say, like, yeah, yeah, this needed to happen, or yeah, John Gruden, I heard him say blank. Like, Is, is there going to be anything I mean, more from the players, or do you think they'll all just be, ah, we're moving forward, we're moving I don't, ahead?
2: I don't, and for, you know, look, there are obvious reasons, because you'd like to know what the reaction is on all this. I don't think we'll get him, but would you not like to hear at this moment what Carl Nassib would like to say here? Absolutely. I mean, I wanted, yeah. I'd i like to know what he, Carl Nassib has to say yeah. on all Cause this.
1: Because you have right now the team that has that employs the first openly gay active. player active well, in the NFL. Yes. And their coach just got had to resign yes. because he sent partial home part part of the problem was him was, sending homophobic yes. emails using homophobic slurs. Yeah, I don't think
2: we'll get him. We'll, he'll be asked. Yeah. We'll ask for him. Yeah. But I but I'd like to know his thoughts on it.
1: Joining us now is Charles McDonald from For the Win at Verts on Twitter. Uh, my producer's telling me that he's been calling the wrong number to try to get you on the show. How are you, Charles? <laughs> Hello,
4: Charles. I'm doing. I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing better than John Gruden.
1: So, yeah, <laughs>
4: well, I, I can
1: say that. <laughs> That's pretty much everybody. So, uh, on, on the Raiders side of this, the Raiders put out a statement last Friday saying they were reviewing the first email that was made public about D Morris Smith. And in that statement, it said they had other materials. And now we have seen those other materials. How did Mark Davis not fire John Gruden or force him to resign Right then and before Sunday's game against the Bears,
4: um, I mean not to be like crude or, but it's Mark Davis. Not like, you know, this is someone who's like I don't know, been exemplary character all the time. Nor have most NFL owners. Uh, And I think when you're talking about that level of wealth and control and power, it's it's really like the whole jig is seen, which you can get away with like at all times, not just. Uh, in this arena, or in the NFL, but in businesses that they own outside of football across the country, they're dealing with politicians. Like that's kind of the the whole gig of uh, of being a billionaire, being the son of a billionaire, and having that much power. So, you know, I'm not I'm not that I'm not surprised that that's the role that uh, Mark Davis tried to take. I am a little bit surprised that you know he saw the emails and was like, okay, this is fine. You know, like no one else is going to see this. And, <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to be able to move on from this. You know, I, I think that you know most people would have a little bit more foresight to know that that's probably uh, the end of it. You know, I, I guess yeah, maybe you can survive one email of you know what he says about Demore Smith, which I find absolutely reprehensible. But. Uh, when you see the other emails, and you know, like uh, Adam Schefter said on ESPN last night, he uh, <laughs> he did a clean sweep of offending people. You know, he really he really <laughs> hit on everyone. It was like peak South Park, peak South Park in the mid 2000s. Everyone's getting offended, uh, and uh, you know, you can't really do stuff like that. And the fact that you kind of have the balls to look at that and say no one else is going to care, that's a
2: little wild. Well, and just the fact they looked at them and said, "Hey, we can keep this quiet in 2021." Right. There, there's just no. way. Are you of the opinion of many that whether Goodell, Goodell actually read the emails and said, "Okay, that's what you think," I'll just start leaking them?
4: Um, kind of. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it was like Goodell himself, but to me, the leaks, uh, you know, not not the first round, uh, like the first the initial Demore Smith email that came out. I don't. Buy that that was the NFL, but everything after that, absolutely, because you know you have to go back and remember what happened last summer. Like All of that is relevant to this, where the NFL, whether you, you know, believe they're genuine or not, they come out and they say, hey, we, we uh, seen the George Floyd stuff. It's really bad. Uh, we want to make this a more inclusive environment for everyone. Uh, the way that they have kind of responded to uh, domestic violence since the Ray Rice event a few years ago, I mean, this is a league that, at least when it comes to their public facing matters, they want to appear more progressive. And you can't have, uh, you know, the head coach of one of the, I guess, more the story franchises in, in the league saying that, hey, the black guy who runs the NFLPA, uh, the labor, you know, the guy who's in charge of labor, he's got, you know, lips that look like missing tires. That can't be something that, those that can't, can't be things that coexist at the same time, so you know, I think that this was definitely pressure from the NFL to get Gruden out of there because, like I said, it just goes back in the face of what they've been trying to really you know, clean their image of over the past almost two years now. So, yeah, you know, I, that definitely came from the league, and I guess Gruden really did have to go.
1: There are apparently six hundred fifty thousand emails that the NFL has from Washington as a part of this investigation, and these are the only ones that have been made public so far. Uh, the New York Times story yesterday sort of indicated that this was like the you know the the good old boys. This is just how they talk. So, should we expect there to be more?
4: I hope so. He, look, you can't tell me out of. Like obviously, what what John Gruden did was horrible, and personally, I think that you know the right thing ended up happening with him losing his job. But you can't tell me that that was the most interesting thing with six hundred fifty thousand emails. Uh, and you know, he's just because like he's sending them, but someone's receiving them. Someone is looking at those emails and laughing and nodding along, or just straight up not saying anything, or even worse, sending something you know just as bad back. So you know, I think you'd have to be pretty naive to. Uh, see that report and say John Gruden is the only one acting in bad faith here, or that John Gruden and Bruce Allen are the only one acting in bad faith here. I mean, we know these guys. Uh, we know kind of what they stand for. You know, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to believe that John Gruden was the only one that made disparaging comments about Eric Reed, or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Colin Kaepernick came up in the story, but, you know, if Eric Reed is. Is getting nasty stuff said about him in emails. We we probably take a a guess that Colin Kaepernick was too. So, you know, it it also just goes back to, uh, you know, I I guess the most cynical part of what we believe of these guys in that sometimes like the worst of what you think about people is true. And I just kind of want to know what else is is in those emails because I find it hard-pressed to believe that John Gruden was the only one saying nasty stuff in there. If you have 650,000 emails and this is, you know, one corner of
2: it. I'd like to know what more Bruce Allen's saying from his personal email.
4: I like ne- what Dan Snyder's saying on his personal.
1: Email. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So, yeah, not gonna be great. Charles McDonald's with us uh, at Four Verts on Twitter and at uh For the Win. So, I guess looking ahead at the Raiders, how how screwed do you think this team is the rest of the season?
4: I don't know. I don't even know. What do you, like if you're a player, what do you think right now? Like, you know, we kind of had something good going. Uh, the offense, at least, has uh, started to figure this out. I think, uh, you know, to a degree. And our play caller's gone now, and I, I think it can be hard to just kind of go from uh, one player caller to the next. I mean, we've seen the Titans struggle at times this season. Uh, like we've seen, you know, obviously you know, the Falcons struggle without Kyle Shanahan, and even moments without Steve and Like it's hard to just kind of pick that up and keep moving. So, obviously, like they can say that this isn't a distraction, but <laughs> <laughs> come on now, like <laughs> look, 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 look at look at all that happened this week. I mean, it, it's impossible for it not to be a distraction. I don't I don't really know how much it's going to play into wins and losses, but in the middle of or not the middle of the game planning week because you know it's Monday, Tuesday, but at the start of the week, like you're starting to put your game plan in, and Monday night, right before you're about to go back to work on Tuesday and figure out how to beat you know who you got in the upcoming weekend, your coach is fired. So you know I can imagine that that's going to affect how this week goes for them. Uh, I imagine that you know their next game might be a little bit difficult for them, but hey. The ratings, the standings say you still got a chance to make the playoffs. so that's got to be the uh, approach that you take.
2: Do you think, we are assuming Mayock is put in charge of this search, Uh, we assumed until yesterday he had no power, so obviously 24 hours later he appears he's going to have a lot of power, and do you think Mayock's the kind of guy who's going to do what a lot of people think he should do and go kind of with the new age, Staley kind of younger coach because they, you know, again... Gruden was not that like which way I, I'm assuming that's which way you would go and do you think Mayock is capable of doing that?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean we'll see because like you said like, Mayock he, I don't really know what a Mike Mayock led Raiders scene looks like Right, right. I mean, a lot of a lot of this has uh, Gruden's fingerprints all over it and I guess you know from the standpoint of just being someone who has consumed a lot of Mike Mayock's work on television like I'm Definitely intrigued to see uh, what it looks like. It's a little funny that we had to you know, get here to see what that looks like, but uh, you got to move on. So I think in terms of what their next hire look like, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a name, or I don't even know if it should be someone who is, you know, necessarily like this forward offensive mind guy. I think the interviews are what matters the most. Like the Raiders, they need a good person to come in there and you know start to collect. You know, pick up the pieces from what Gruden left, and be someone that can really push this team together. Because you know, I say this as a black person. Like, I know when you are, like, if, if Josh Jacob up or someone like that's asked after the game, you know, what do you think about this Gruden stuff? Publicly, you might say, you know, it's all good. I believe that he's, you know, apologized and all this stuff. But you know, when you step away from that mic, you're like, man, like, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of wild that he would say something like that, or, or what? You know, what does he really think about? Some of the things that directly impact my life, so you know, I think that uh, you, you got to get a good person first, like first and foremost, and then uh, from there, you know, obviously, you know, the play calling uh, that matters too. But I, I think just getting someone who can be a good face for your organization is the most important thing the race can do
1: right now. Well, he is Charles McDonald again. Follow him on Twitter at Verts. Check his workout at For the Win. Charles, thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll get the right number next week. Thank you, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys next Appreciate week. Appreciate it. That's interesting. He says they got to hire a good person because it's basically what the Astros did. Like the Astros hired Dusty Baker as a, hey, uh, we're in the middle of this giant controversy. Dusty Baker's a good dude. Dusty Baker will come in and people like Dusty Baker, let him come in and sort of be the voice of the organization going forward. And even though I don't think Dusty Baker's a great in-game manager, he has actually been excellent at that part of it. He's been great as sort of a voice debate, you know, defend or deflect or whatever it is. He's been great at that. It's interesting that that's where the Raiders might need to go. Significant difference. Baseball and football, a little bit different sports too. But baseball, good baseball team, you can kind of manage itself and still be successful. The Raiders haven't been good, and nobody's really convinced they are a good team. So if you go the route of hire a good person who doesn't end up being a good football coach, that could put you back in terms of the wins and losses part of it too. Are you confident Mayock can get it done? I don't know. I don't either. I, I, we would really need to know. A lot of these draft picks and free agent signings who really was behind how much input even even this most recent one with Alex otherwood did Tom Cable have a massive say in that right or did Mike if Mike Mayock is the one who's made all these picks then I have zero confidence none. But if you told me that John Gruden really pushed hard for all these guys they've drafted then okay then i think there might be some optimism mike may can actually change things and, and get it done uh coming up next we'll spend a, a little bit of time here on unlv football because who the hell knows who's playing quarterback for them do you want to schedule a parent
0: teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades call the press box voicemail and let us know 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade one two comes and it's
3: hitting the end. player. Jock Peterson comes through again. It's a three-run homer. It is three to nothing, Atlanta.
0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney
1: and Bischoff. Quick UNLV football update. Paloma Villacana of Fox 5 from practice yesterday. Uh, here's your quarterback situation for UNLV coming off the bye week. Doug Brumfield still not 100% healthy. Cameron Friel is banged up but is practicing and they're going to see how much Tate Martell can do this week. He has uh what is it? Plantar fasciitis uh, in. So he could conceive. Usually that's considered a uh, pain tolerance injury that you can play through it uh, depending on how severe it is. So the three quarterbacks, uh, Justin Rogers, not named in that situation there. So maybe Justin Rogers plays, but it doesn't sound like UNLV has much uh, health in terms of the quarterback position. All right.
2: You may you said it, this is the week you, you predicted the win. You coming back off it? no,
1: they're gonna beat you. I wouldn't State. come back off it either. Yeah. I mean, I, okay, if you tell me they're like, all you, banged up, if you tell me they're all out or something, then sure, well, I'll come back off of it. But if Friel's practicing, he
2: can play. But yeah. Um, I know you shouldn't come off it because, I mean, let's be honest. Is how is this different than what we've seen? <laughs> I mean, what is this going to be? No, Cameron different Friel, from what Friel we've looked competent
1: him? in their last game. Cameron right. Friel had some good moments in right. their last game against UTSA then my guess as he's playing yeah Cameron Friel again banged up but practicing would imply Cameron Friel's gonna be unless Brumfield can go Cameron Friel would be the starter at the worst so yeah banged Listen. up after the bye week yeah that's the weird part though did he like how bad did he get banged up against yeah, UTSA exactly or did they just have a brutal bye week in terms of practice so that is the question but yeah who's gonna be their quarterback still a big question mark Cameron Friel Potentially is the starter, but if Doug Brumfield is able to play, I assume they're going to Doug Brumfield, though I guess if would you I don't know, would you go to Doug Brumfield at like eighty, ninety percent? They say he's not a hundred percent. Would you How go to him at like a back injury? Would you would you play back? him if he's not hundred percent? Or uh, would you just say, Hey, Cameron Friel, get out there and, and you're the guy again?
2: I might go Cameron Friel. If he's
1: actually practicing, Banged
2: up might just be sore. Yeah. I mean, I, I might go Cameron Friel. I mean I think
3: Brumfield's the best quarterback, but if yes. he's got a back issue and he's eighty percent, then yeah. I'd go with Cameron Friel. How is it this team has this like, like, the same situation as the Ravens do at running back? <laughs> like, just like, yeah, we got four quarterbacks, none of them are healthy. Well, <laughs> isn't it funny that she she has all these listed, but like you said,
2: like Justin Rogers nowhere to be found. <laughs> he's taking I mean, reps. Think about yeah, think about that though. I mean, she ha- she listed Brunfield. Friel and Martel, and nothing about the guy who might be the healthiest guy—the guy, the guy who
1: is 100% healthy, yeah, exactly. ready to go—is not even being mentioned as a possibility for Saturday. We're good. We
3: got other options there. Oh, listen, he'd
1: been good. He's not, not been good. Hasn't shown anything at all this year. Cameron Friel's looked better than him, and Cameron Friel hasn't exactly looked good either. So I—he looked real bad. I don't put any. Listen, I'm taking banged up Cameron Friel over 100% Justin Rogers. I don't. Even, I'm taking 80% Doug Brumfield. I'm taking Tate Martell with one foot.